welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. Just when all this started happening, felt really led of the Lord to go in this direction. I think it's important that we know, you know, the early church, really, really up until the last few decades, the church spent a good portion of their time looking toward the coming of the Lord. Now, that's changed in the last 20 or 30 years, really last 30, 40 years, because for the first time, I think, for the first time in the history of the church, the majority of the church is living in abundance. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing to be blessed. I'm not saying that. Whereas up until just this last generation or two, it was a struggle in life, especially as a Christian. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can end up making heaven on earth. And then we're, we're really not looking up there because it's so good down here. But our grandparents looked up to heaven all the time. And that's why three quarters of the songbook were written about heaven. If they were ready to get out of this world, I'm getting ready to leave this world. I'm getting ready for gates of pearls. Keeping my record right, watching both day and night. I'm getting ready to leave this world. Their mind was on somewhere. And so I say that to say, we need to get our eyes back on heaven. And we need to get our eyes on the signs of the time of the coming of the Lord Jesus. So again, today I realize I'll be in a different gear. I, I won't be in the, we won't have it be for Boogie the whole time. I'm going to, I'm going to teach and preach a little, but I want to get in the word. I want to open this up for, for, so we can understand we are really living in the last of the last days and we need to be ready for the coming of the Lord. We, we need to be ready. Uh, the Bible said he's coming back for a bride that's without spot or wrinkle. Amen. And. And that's keeping yourself. And we, we need to, he said, the Bible said he's coming back for those who look for his glorious appearing. And so we need to be watching for his glorious appearing. Amen. And so uh, that's what I'm doing today. And I realize that in, in modern uh, church, and, and even in, if you use the term for Pentecostalism or apostolics, it's, um, it's even a rare thing to hear prophecy taught on or preached on, and so I, I guess in that sense, I'll deviate from the mainstream again for the second Sunday, and let's go back to what the Bible is saying about the times that we are living in. Re Revelations chapter 12, beginning at verse number one, amen, there appeared unto them, appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed, everybody say a woman clothed, amen. How many know who this woman, woman is? It's Israel woman is Israel. A woman clothed the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head, a crown of 12 stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, 
And behold, a great red dragon. So you, you have this great wonder in heaven that is the woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet. Then you have another great wonder, and it's a red dragon, a man having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. His tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And uh, some scholars believe that is the one-third of the angels that, that were fallen, that God cast down. So one-third of the stars, the stars representing that of the angels. I'm not trying to get too much into transmetaphoric association or eschatology, but some of this is pretty obvious. The 12 crowns, 12 tribes of Israel, you can catch on to that. <clears throat> and did cast them into the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered. That meant she was she was ready to have this baby for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Amen. Uh, and then verse 5 says, And she brought forth a man child who was to rule the nations with a rod of iron. Who was that? That's right. Her child was caught up unto God into his throne. Verse 13, And the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth. He persecuted the woman. Who is the woman? Israel. Amen. He cast, uh, uh, he persecuted the woman, which brought forth the man-child. Amen. And so I want to continue on uh, talking about what does the Bible say about the war that's in Israel and the prophetic association that it has with us as the church. Isn't it amazing that, that a Bible that's thousands of years old is still current in its predictions? Amen. When it talks about the bear, Russia, the dragon, China, the eagle, America, all of these different, the leper, Germany, it puts all of, I believe that's who it was representing, puts all of this into perspective. You see all of this taking place. And I believe the Lord wants to open our understanding again. And I believe he wants to speak to us with great clarity and, and not, to, not to scare us. Some people say, Pastor, you're, you're teaching that to scare people. If it works, the Bible said, some are only saved by fear. Well, then you got to give them all. You got to give them hope, joy, love, and fear, right? And so um, the, the ultimate goal is that, number one, we are all saved at the time of his appearing. And number two, we do everything in our power to take people with us to heaven. Amen? That, that's what it's ultimately about. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence, the victory that we have and that we feel in this place. Would you touch us once again by your great power and your strength and your might? Give us wisdom to your word. Let it show to us, O oh God, with great clarity what you are speaking to your church in the end time hour. Lord, I pray you bless everybody under the sound of my voice. Those here, those watching online. Lord, may this be a turning point for somebody. Bring the prodigal home. Bring the sinner to repentance bring the saint to joyous expectation in jesus name we pray amen 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 let's thank the lord one more time if we could hallelujah praise god praise god Amen. You can be seated. Turn and tell somebody Jesus is coming back. Growing up in the church, it was 
it was a part of our, or part of just the church repertoire, church verbiage, if you would. The expectation of the return of Christ was imminent. We thought it was going to happen any day. Talked about it all the time. Hardly an event could happen that my old pastor wouldn't get up and say this and then somehow explain that it was pointing to the second coming of the Lord. And uh, somehow we've kind of drifted uh, from that. And, and I won't go into the ways, either pro or con, that we have. But to say that growing up, there was a tremendous awareness that we are living on the precipice of Jesus Christ coming back to the earth. I, I think part of it is it's easy to take your eye off the ball when you're extremely busy and you're so caught up just trying to survive. In the time that I was a child till now, uh, our world is such that most homes out of necessity have to have two parents working and the kids at school. And so there's hardly the time to sit around the table and, and, and talk about it or even be aware of this. But I said all that to say, we are standing in the latter part of the last days. And the clock is about to strike midnight. And the Lord will be done with the church age and the dispensation of grace. And we will move in to a time of uh, great rejoicing for us. I feel for those who are left behind. But um, it, it's so important. In Israel is God's time clock of prophecy. Jesus said when the disciples came to him and they wanted understanding when he would return to the earth, he basically, and I'm paraphrasing, but I'm accurately stating, he basically said, look to Jerusalem. When you see these signs, then you will know. Now, of course, Jesus said, no man knows the day nor the hour except my Father which is in heaven. Then I'm not going to tell you the hour, but I will tell you the season. I won't even tell you the day, but I will tell you the season. And so he gave and laid out for us the seasons that we, the season that we would be in when it would be time for the church to get ready. It's very imminent, and, it's, and it is upon us. I've, I've been asked by numerous people since the, the uh, terror attacks in Israel, and uh, what, what does this mean biblically? And that's why I'm talking about the Israeli war and prophecy last Sunday and this Sunday. Uh, to to kind of just bring you up to speed, there is an irrational hatred of Jewish people around the world. It, it's unbelievable that, that they are the single most hated people on the planet, universally and historically. Nobody has been persecuted or hated or mistreated like the Jewish people have. There isn't even a close second. They have been exiled from almost every country. They have been persecuted, enslaved, and uh, murdered by so many people. And all throughout the history of the Jewish people, there has been an agenda to exterminate them, but God has always preserved his people. Amen. 
there were times, and, and it was prophesied that Messiah would come through, the, be the root and the offspring of David. And there were even times where the lineage of David got down to just a few males. But God preserved them, even in great times of wickedness, so that Messiah could be born prophetically uh, through what God said would happen. Amen. And, and so if it was uh, the Egyptians and the Pharaohs who declared to kill the firstborn of all of Israel, they, they wanted to kill, or at least at a minimum, they wanted to try and curb the population of the Jewish people. Uh, from Haman of Persia, and Persia is modern-day Iran. Persia is modern-day Iran, Iraq, and, and the Hindu Kush area of Afghanistan. Uh, Persia tried to wipe out the Jewish people. When we were on vacation a couple months ago, or whenever it was, we went and saw in uh, Branson, there's a show called Sight and Sound, and they did the story of Esther, and it was absolutely beautiful. And uh, we, I was reminded once again of the vitriol and the absolute acidic hatred that people in the world have for the Jewish people. Why? Because they're God's people. Now, let me say this. They are natural Israel. We are spiritual Israel. And just like the world hates them because of how they are born, the world hates us because how we were reborn. Because God's people has always been a separate people. See Wednesday nights. God's people have always been a separate people. God ingrained that into his people. You're not going to wear what they wear. You're not going to eat what they eat. You're not going to go where they go, talk like they talk. You're not going to marry like they marry. You are not. You are a chosen people. You are a covenant people. It began with Abraham calling him out of the, the Chaldees. It began with the covenant of circumcision. Then it went into the ceremonial laws and then to uh, uh, the moral laws and then to the different laws that God put for his people uh, to be able to be a separate people, to, to wear not even mixing of the fabrics of their clothing. Orthodox Jews still hold to that today. Not planting two seeds in the same field. Orthodox Jews hold to that today. And a lot of this may not have any rational purpose uh, to anybody. They may not be able to look at that and say, well, I, okay, I see why they do that. God doesn't care whether we see it or they see why he's doing it. He just said, do this because you belong to me. And if you will obey me, I will cover you and I will protect you and I will preserve. You got to see the whole picture. And, and so they were hated for that. So Haman wanted to wipe out, uh, Haman wanted to wipe out uh, all of the Jewish people, but God preserved an Esther and put her into the king's household, and it preserved the nation of Israel once again. And the, the, the gallows that Haman built to kill the Jews and to hang Mordecai would be the very ones that his neck would be swinging from because God has a way of taking those down who want to take down his people. Amen. Uh, uh, we, we saw the great persecution of the Jewish peoples uh, under Hitler. Let's not forget that Stalin was a great persecutor of the Jewish people also. Uh, two things that socialism and communism has always done is murder people by the tens of millions, especially Jews. Amen. Just go study your history. Amen. And so uh, pe people often forget that, that the Nazis... Uh, that was a part of their name, National Socialist Party. They wanted to kill the Jewish people. 
Anywhere you find those things, you, you find swaths, millions and tens of millions. In the 20th century alone, we saw over 100 million people killed under the banner of those isms and those governments. So anybody that tries to convince you that's a better way is either one, willfully ignorant, two, negligent, three, pure evil. And Hitler tried to take out the Jewish people, but that didn't work for him. He ended up eating his own bullet because he took his own life and it ended up costing him everything and those that followed him. Six million Jews were killed by Hitler alone, millions more even by Stalin. And, 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 and since then, there have been the Arab wars. There's been seven uh, wars by the Arab states against Israel. Uh, there's been genocide. There, there's been the... Uh, affirmation they wanted to destroy Israel. The growth of anti-Semitism is running rapid around the world. Now, what I'm about to say, if, if, if I don't say this to be offensive. I don't say, I'm not looking for a reaction, but I can tell you if you are a follower of mainstream media, this might, I'm giving you a trigger warning because there is a growth of anti-Semitism that is coming out of our media, that's coming out of Washington, D.C., uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just, and, and what I'm about to say has nothing to do with nationality, has nothing to do with color, it has nothing, it has to do with evil and good. We are on the verge of a global civil war. European nations over the last 15 years opened their doors with unchecked young men of military age coming from Muslim countries. Now they're marching by the thousands through the streets of London and Paris and Italy, they're not just chanting for the Palestinians to overrun the Jews. They're waving ISIS flags. They're doing that in America. So before you think this is some kind of Fox propaganda, right-wing propaganda, I don't even watch that stuff. I'm not even into that stuff. This is absolute. Now we have Congress people repeating the propaganda of ISIS. And, and the Palestinians, which there's not any difference between Hamas and, and ISIS. As a matter of fact, we have in the last few days uncovered that Al-Qaeda is partnering with Hamas. They did a march on Washington, hoping I'm opening your eyes. What I hope to do is provoke you to go back and go study this out for yourself and realize how the American people are being duped through the media. The New York Times should be ashamed of themselves for their anti-Semitism that they're propagating when they put on the front page that Israel bombed a hospital in Palestine. When Israel, that Israel bombed a hospital in Palestine, when it is beyond proof that Palestine fired a misfired rocket that went in the air, I've seen the video, went in the air, ran out of gas, fell down onto the hospital, and they killed their own people. It's a fact. But listen to uh, uh, Representative Ilhan Omar and Ocasio-Cortez promoting ISIS and Hamas, uh, Hamas by saying that Israel did that when the proof is that the Palestinian Hamas did that. Be careful what you let ruffle your feathers. It's not what you think it is. There is a move of anti-Semitism around the world. And I couldn't do but find it so humorous and somewhat ironic 
When they did, don't worry, I'll get to the good part if this is making you nervous. We used to preach like this a lot, and people start going, well, you can't talk about politics in the pulpit. Well, the Bible does. And this isn't even politics. This is prophetic stuff. Well, I don't want to go to church and hear that. Well, you may need to find another church where they'll just don't talk about this stuff. We're going to talk about the Bible. They marched on Washington thousands and thousands in support of Palestine. Thought it was hilarious when they did their call to prayer and these Palestinian Muslim supporters turned to the women and said, you can't pray with us, go to the back. Not one feminist said anything about, well, I'm not sitting in the back. I'm not going to the back. No, they just took their place. That's the kind of world that the Palestinian and the, and the Muslim world wants. Don't listen to me. Listen to them. Listen to them. Surveys done a few years ago throughout all the Arab countries, 97%, 97% of people living in Arab countries said they felt the death penalty is sufficient for anyone who leaves Islam. And we're letting them into our nation unchecked. Over 89% of them believe that honor killings are justified. And we're letting them into our country and other countries unchecked. Over 160 people on the terrorist most wanted list we know have escaped into the interior of the U.S. through our southern border. And nothing is being done about it. They hate Judeo-Christianity values. Europe is about to burn to the ground with all of the unchecked military-age Muslim men they've allowed in and taken over their cities. Flying ISIS flags in the street of London. Finally, a lefty woke up and found out you don't walk through a crowd of Palestinians and Muslims waving a transgender flag because they almost beat that person to death. but they're supported by one side. The anti-Semitism that is in our world right now is at an all-time fever pitch. There is a bloodlust from the Arab nations to take down the Jewish people and all those that support them. We've got to take a stand as the people of God for the nation of Israel because the Bible said, God said, I will bless anyone that blesses Israel and I will protect anybody that protects Israel. And we need to stand up and say, by the grace of God, we're going to pray, bless, and protect the nation of Israel. Amen. Praise God. Uh, uh, I, I got to move on here. Um, we are living in a time where there is consensus, a global consensus that what is wrong with the world is Israel. There are nations, the nations that surround Israel. Israel is about the size, Israel is about the size of New Jersey, if that gives you any clue to how small it is in that vast swath of the Middle East. Israel is surrounded on every side by enemies, enemies by which every nation that surrounds them, it is in their constitutional charter that they are about the death and destruction of the nation of Israel and all Jewish people. For those that might be listening or watching later and you think that Israel's the problem, I've got two questions for you and hopefully you've got enough integrity to answer this. If Palestinians lay down their arms, what will happen? Peace. If Israel lays down their arms, what will happen? Total destruction. 
So anybody calling for Israel to lay down their arms wants to see the Jewish state completely wiped off the face of the earth. And remember, these are God's people. These are God's people. These are our brethren. We are the new vine grafted into the old root system. We are sons by adoption. We are daughters by adoption. They are a part of our family because we are monotheistic. We are of the Abrahamic covenant. And if any man is in Christ, he is of the seed of Abraham. We stand with, this isn't a political issue. This is a spiritual issue. What they are wanting to do to natural Israel, hell is trying to do to spiritual Israel. Just like they're surrounded by enemies that want to kill them because of who they are by their birth, they want to surround and wipe out the church because who we are by our rebirth. They are Israel by first birth. We are Israel by second birth. Hallelujah. The Bible said in Zechariah uh, 3 and uh, 12 and 3, they said that Jerusalem is an unmovable rock for all nations. Amen. All who try to move it will injure themselves. Get ready, Iran. You are about to find out what that means. Iran is modern day Persia. We have such weak leadership in the world. We were told months ago, Brother Vincent, months ago, when our current president gave over $6 billion to Iran, he was warned, warned by everybody that has any note, don't give it to them. They will funnel that money to Hamas. They will funnel that money to Al-Qaeda, and they will start a war in the Middle East. And within three months of him giving them that money, rockets fell on Israel. That's on his hands. I'm, I'm just telling the I don't care which party they're in. We, they knew what was going to happen. Weapons that were left behind in Afghanistan are being used against the Israelis, and they're being used to execute American citizens. We better wake up and realize that the global players of the world have been in position like chess pieces on a chessboard, and God allows things to happen because it must come to pass for end-time prophecy to be fulfilled. Amen. Is this okay this afternoon? Amen. Amen. I'm glad y'all can handle this. It's, this is Bible stuff. I know most people just want to hear about joy and hope and peace and love. Sometimes we got to look at what the Bible says about current events. The Bible says Israel would be scattered, but it would be regathered. There is, there is end time prophecy about it. And, and the gathering, the clock started ticking again, 1948, when Israel rejoined as a nation. End time prophecy about Magog and Iran, Iran being modern Persia, talking about in Ezekiel 37, all the bones coming back together. Then in the next chapter, Ezekiel 38, God pictures her being attacked from the north by a major power accompanied by many allies. Gog and Magog have been identified as Russia and her Middle East allies in the 10 nations have been identified as Persia, which is Iraq, Iran, and the Afghanistan, Hindu Kush, Egypt, Egypt and Sudan, Libya, amen, and uh, uh, Syria and Turkey. And you can look in the Bible to their actual names. This current attack on Israel is not, I don't believe it's the fulfillment of Ezekiel 38, but I believe it is the forerunner to the fulfillment of Ezekiel 37 and 38. It is the groundwork 
that has been laid as they come together. As Daniel talked about, the kings of the north would pair up with the king of the east and they would come together and they would surround and they would wipe out or attempt to wipe out Israel. The king of the north, I believe Bible and most Bible scholars believe that the king of the north is attributed to being Russia. As a matter of fact, if you take the ancient Hebrew dialect that it was written in, Magog, actually the root word is Rus, which is Russia. Written almost 3,000 years ago. God knows what he's doing. The king of the east would be China. King of the east would be China, and they would pair together, uniting, coming together. Did, did you know that while we are sending our troops to the Middle East right now, there are uh, naval fleets headed to the Middle East to help? Did you hear who has just released their navy to the Middle East? China. What does China want to be over there for? They're getting ready for a global war. They see weakness in the Western world and ineptitude and incompetence. And they're going to use this. They're going to try and offer. I've told you, keep your eye on Taiwan. Keep your eye on what they're, they're moving this hand over here to distract you while this hand is over here doing what they really want to do. This is the stage being set for the coming of Jesus Christ. Amen. The war will spread east and north. Max Abrams, a writer, said the war will most likely spread. It will spread into the West Bank, which now we know that it already has, and could spread into Israel's northern border. A war with Hezbollah may open up a, a Israel's northern front, which Hezbollah out of Lebanon and Syria has already begun to lob rockets into Israel. This is God's time clock for us. It's ticking. The minute hand is on 11.59. And the second hand is ticking close. Abrams also said it could cause an enormous amount of destruction in southern Lebanon and Syria. Saudi Arabia and Israel share the same adversary. They don't like each other, but as one founding father said, politics makes strange bedfellows. As much as Israel and Saudi Arabia don't like each other, they equally hate Iran the most. So they have tried to come together with what is known as the Abraham Accords. And they are trying to bring this together that they can make an ally. And at this moment, they see that the Arab world is coming out so strong against Israel that now the Arab energy producing countries of the world have begun to say that if you send military support to Israel, then we are going to slow down, if not cut off our oil supply and energy supply to your nation. Amen. I almost want to laugh and say, whoa, it's been pretty high out here for a long time. But they want to do that to try to put pressure on Western countries like the United States to not support Israel. But we've got to be willing to stand with Israel. Abrams also says that he doesn't see Israel requesting U.S. military support unless the war widens to include a conflict with Iran. That was written two weeks ago. That has already become uh, uh, in past tense because Israel has asked for America's help because Israel is, I mean, uh, Iran is involved in this war. Israel is paying, or Iran is paying for this proxy war. You can read that uh, by Cynthia M. Hibbert of the Northeastern Global News. 
Amen. There is the Wall Street Journal reported on October 8th that Iran helped plot an attack on Israel over several weeks. The Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps gave the final go-ahead last Monday in Beirut. Other news agencies around the world have verified it since. Iran's primary goals are to prevent a deal between Saudi Arabia and Israel through the Abraham Accords and to sow discord throughout the region. Another goal is to marginalize the Palestine Authority and elevate Hamas, thus making a a two-state solution impossible. It's not Hamas and Hezbollah that are calling the shots in the terrorism against Israel right now. It is Iran that's doing this. The only way to stop Hezbollah and Hamas is to treat Iran as an attacker and the world turn on Iran. We need to pray for that kind of peace to happen that the world would see, unfortunately, they're taking our billions. We gave them a few months ago and they're paying for the war against Israel right now. On October 7, 2023, approximately 5,000 missiles and a ground invasion uh, uh, has many Christians asking the question, is this war a fulfillment of Bible prophecy? And that's what we are preaching and talking about because it is triggering prophetic events that must happen before the second coming of the Lord. We need to stand together as a people and pray for the nation of Israel because this is going to trigger the the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when I talk about a lot of these things and I talk about the rapture and I talk about the seven years tribulation, and I talk about the abomination of desolation, and I talk about the millennial reign, and all of these different things, I I know that a lot of times it can kind of get jumbled in your mind. So we put together a timeline, if you'll throw that up there, that hopefully will make all of this visually make sense. We are right now in the present church age. Everybody say the church age. That's what you're in right now. That's also known as the dispensation of grace. Amen, where you can be saved, amen. And so I'm so glad I'm living in the dispensation of grace. But there's gonna come a day when the dispensation of grace shall conclude. And it's going to conclude when Jesus raptures his church out of here. The dispensation of grace is over. There are two schools of thought. Um, Brother Strickland and I kind of talked about a little bit about this. There's a couple of mainstream schools of thought in eschatology that after the rapture of the church, there's two schools of eschatological thought. One that says nobody can be saved after the rapture. If you miss the rapture, that's it. Then there's another school of thought that says you can possibly be saved if you don't partake of the mark and you die in martyrdom. You know, whatever you believe is fine. It doesn't kind of, that's it. I'm kind of pantheist on it. I just believe it all pan out. Amen. But the rapture of the church will shut the door on the church age. The dispensation of grace is over. No more crying out to the Lord to be saved. It's over. The door shuts. If you survive, if you do not go in the rapture of the church, the only hope that there could be for your soul is that you don't partake of the mark, you don't join the world system and die in martyrdom. I think the first option sounds better. How about let's just live right and just get caught up to meet him in the air. That sounds good to me. Amen. This ain't too much, is it? 
So the rapture of the church, well, that'll be taking us out of here. To the judgment seat of Christ. This is where he will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter ye into the joys of the Lord. That will open the door to the banquet room, which will be the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, on earth, that marriage supper will last seven years. I can only begin to imagine, Brother J.D., how much I can eat in seven years. I don't know the limit to my new body on what I can eat, but you better believe I'm going to test the limits on it up there. Hey, man, no more, car- no more carbs when we get over yonder. No more carbs when we get over. Right? Seven years, we're going to be rejoicing at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Jesus said, blessed is he who is called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's going to be a good thing that you're there and will have no knowledge of what's happening on the earth because on the earth, all hell will break loose for seven years. Seven, the first three and a half years is known as the beginning of sorrows. And that's when the global powers will surround Israel and the man of sin will arise and he will bring a peace treaty. The Jewish people will think that they have found Messiah, but about the three and a half year mark, he will turn on them at the abomination of desolation. And then the final three and a half years will be the great tribulation where their one third of the world's population will die in that seven year span. One out of every three people, just do quick math, the third of this room disappeared. That's how many would die. We're not gonna be a part of that though. We're gonna be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's why it is so important, amen, to make sure that you are living for God, that you are right with God. That way, when the rapture takes place, you are called up out of here. Can somebody say amen? You don't want to be here for the seven years of tribulation. Look at somebody and say, you want to be caught up. You're going to want to be caught up in the seven years. You don't want to be here through the abomination of desolation. You don't want to be here through the mark of the beast. You don't want to be here through the Antichrist. You don't want to be here. We're going to be with the Lord for seven years. And then I don't know exactly how it's going to go. Amen. But at some point, Jesus is going to stamp up, wipe his mouth and say, all right, y'all. Because Jesus talks with a southern accent in my mind. He's going to say, okay, y'all, saddle up your horses. We got a trail to blaze oh, to the wild blue yonder. You were in the 90s too. Amen. So he's going to saddle up the horses. And we're going to saddle up white horses is what the Bible says. And Jesus, as the captain of our salvation, will lead the army. And we will ride from heaven on tens of thousands of white horses. We will ride to the earth. We often call Brother Chase the, the rapture, the second coming. It's actually a, a, a kind of a misnomer because the, the, the rapture is actually not the second coming. Uh, technically, the rapture is the catching away or the resurrection. The real second coming is when we come back with Christ. Amen. We come back to the earth. Jesus and the armies of heaven, that's you and me, will defeat Satan in the work of sin on the earth. Hallelujah. This is why you don't want to miss it. We're going to defeat Satan. We're going to defeat the dragon and the bear and all of these things. The kingdoms of this earth will bow and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And Jesus will establish his kingdom upon the earth. 
Does anybody know where Jesus will establish his kingdom? In Jerusalem. That's why we're looking at Jerusalem. Because God said it all starts here and it's all going to end here. Oh, hallelujah. So I'm going to establish my kingdom. Say, man, pastor, that's kind of far out. Read your Bible sometimes. It's a trip. It's really going to happen like that. He's going to establish his kingdom on the earth. And the cool part is those of us that, that have been saved, and I hope this don't squeal, those of us that have been saved and that have been caught away in the rapture and that were at the marriage supper of the Lamb, it doesn't matter what you were here in this life, but when you come back, you will be kings and priests and governors. Amen. You will rule and you will reign with Christ on the earth. Amen. He will set you up in positions of a authority and government all around the world to expand his kingdom his dominion Satan will be defeated there will be a thousand years of peace on the earth called the millennial reign it will be so peaceful that a lamb will snuggle up with a lion without fear because there will be so much peace oh hallelujah Satan and his imps will be bound in chains of everlasting darkness during the millennial reign hey you don't want to miss the rapture you don't want to miss heaven you don't want to this is why Jesus said, Blessed is he who is called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Oh, hallelujah. And so there's the millennial reign. I, I don't know what all that entails. I, I don't know where you'll be a governor. I don't know where you'll be a king or a priest or a ruler or a premier or a prime minister or whatever. He's gonna, I don't know exactly where it's going to be, but I know those of us that were caught away will rule and reign with him on the earth in his everlasting kingdom. Hallelujah. And then when all that's said and done at the end of the thousand years, there's going to be a final white throne judgment. Amen. And Satan himself will be judged and all of his works will be judged. And then he will be thrown into a lake of fire and brimstone stone and then after that there will be an eternal bliss of being with the Lord in his kingdom forever you say pastor why didn't God just do that at the rapture I don't know I ain't God I'm just reading his instruction manual but he's got a reason for all of it I don't got time to go into it, but post the millennial at the final judgment, we step into that glorious open-ended, amen, uh, a part of, of eternity where mind cannot see and, 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 and eye cannot see and ear has not heard and neither is it entered into the heart of man. The dimensions that go beyond, amen, what you can either fathom of the universe and of, uh, 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 of space and time and how everything that is seen to the eye and not seen to the eye, amen, physicists are seeing new worlds and they're seeing new galaxies and they're saying that the universe is expanding at a rapid pace. They say that, the, that, that, that Earth within the Milky Way galaxy is spinning at 518,000 miles per hour through the abyss of space. And when we live in the millennial and when we live in the eternal kingdom of God, you will be in a new body that your mind cannot comprehend. And if you want to take a vacation to Mars, you can do it. And if you want to take a vacation to, to some far-flung galaxy, Galaxy, you can do it because you will be in the eternal kingdom of God. The laws of physics will be subject to you. The laws of time will be subject to you because you are in his kingdom. Say, I don't know about that. I do. Your body won't be like this body. You won't age. You won't grow. You won't have pain. Jesus appears after the resurrection, after he's glorified, and he attains the body that we're going to attain. He starts walking through walls. Somebody said, well, 
That doesn't mean you're going to eat. Yes, it will. Because Jesus sat and ate with them after he was resurrected. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And then it's going to be, I don't, oh, I don't have time to get into this. I got to stop because, man, I will get into this. But we step into that time and it will be so powerful. The completion of God's plan for humanity and the earth and the world and the galaxy, amen, in the universe will be complete. And when we step past the final judgment, it will be so powerful that the Bible talks about the sonship will even end. It is such a powerful union, amen, of God's presence with God's people in eternity. Listen, it's not worth missing heaven over for whatever you're struggling with. You are going to want to be in the everlasting eternal kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 The, Muslim, the, the, the Mormons want to build an everlasting church on this earth. Jehovah's Witness want to build a kingdom on the earth. Muslims want to build a caliphate on the earth. Amen. But God said, you're going to build an intergalactic empire under his reign. Hallelujah. Okay, I got a little carried away with that. So you're going to want to be there. So why, somebody been looking at, why do y'all do that? Why do you put up with all that? Why do you have to do that? Why can't you do that? Why can't you go to that? And you're going like, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't get it, do you? You're seeing the this and the that. The Jewish people had 618 laws that they had to live under the law of Moses. 618. 618 laws. And we complain about the little things God asks of us. Well, Paul said it like this. When you compare your present suffering with the glory which shall be revealed, he said it's not even worthy to be compared. You're trying to compare a grain of sand to an invaluable diamond. It is so incomparable. You are trying to compare the intellect of a worm to the brilliance of an Einstein. It is not even worthy to be compared. There is no, there's no parallel for what I have to give up in this earth for what I'm going to gain in the kingdom to come. Somebody shout amen. All right, all right. I'm winding it down. Y'all get excited? Because the Bible, the Bible gives prophetic insight to things we are seeing right now. Matter of fact, I just threw this in for good measure uh, because I just want to show you how accurate the Bible is. Uh, the Bible predicted all of the things that we're experiencing right now. In Daniel chapter 12, verse number four, the latter part, well, well in there, God says, and I'm paraphrasing, he says, Daniel, seal up the prophecy for the time is not yet. I'll, I'll let you know when it's time to unseal it. Amen. And uh, some believe those seals are released in, in the book of Revelation. And Daniel says in 12.4, he says, part of the way, one of the ways you're going to know that it is the end time, he said, knowledge shall increase. Knowledge shall increase. We have seen a jump of technology in the last 120 years that has never been seen in the existence of the history of mankind. Think about it. Think about that for a minute. You know, Sister Esther, your, your grandparents rode in horse and buggy. Your great-grandparents, Sister Gaylene, Sister Cindy, your great-grandparents would have never fathomed 
a, a, a horseless carriage. That's just three generations ago, four generations ago. My grandparents, when they were born, there were still horse and buggies in rural places. My grandma traveled in, a, 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 in the Ozarks in, in, in a, a wagon pulled by a mule when she was a little girl in the Great Depression, growing up through the Great Depression. Look how much in 100 years. The Bible said knowledge shall increase. One translation says knowledge shall rapidly intensify. It's multiplied upon itself. Languages are changing in the span of five years that it used to take 200 years to cause words to change within a language. Rapidly intensifying. I mean, our grandparents only knew rotary phones. They had to talk to the operator before they called their friend. I don't think anybody here had to do that when they were a kid. You, you had to call the operator before you called for it? That, yeah, that's true. Operator, operator. Amen. And, and uh, now, I, I mean, when I was a kid, if you wanted to call long distance, you had to have a phone card. You had MCI, Sprint, which was always a ripoff, <laughs> Southern Bell, Ma Bell, you had all these different, you had to have a calling card to call long distance. And then when you called, you would reach a switch operator in a place that would take your card number and then connect you and charge you for it. There weren't cell phones when I was a kid. I mean, these phones are phenomenal. And not necessarily in a good way. I have them, but I really hate them. They're like a necessary evil. Somebody said, if I wake up in eternity in their cell phones, I knew I went to hell. <laughs> this cell phone right here, this cell phone is so much more advanced than computers 10 years ago. The computing power of this cell phone blows away the average commercial level computers of 10 years ago. The average car on the road today has more technological advances in computing power than the first space shuttle that landed on the moon, if you believe it went there, or the technology to get to the Hollywood light where they stage the pictures. I'm always, I'm always reaching everybody, okay? <laughs> You're, I, I, I mean, it's not... Matter of fact, phone is the most minimalist function that it has. It's really a computer with a phone. It's a computer with phone ability. You can look up anything you want on that phone. I can say, hey, I'm not going to do it because she'll answer. And I can ask her a question. I can ask her to tell me the square root of four in ancient Chinese, and she'll tell me. I remember as a kid when we had to go to the Encyclopedia Britannica. I still go to therapy over those books. I hated the Encyclopedia Britannica. And, and God forbid you got half of one letter in one and the other half of the other letter in one. And then you had to bring both of those books. You had to get a small truck to take it over to the table. And then, even then, you, you didn't get all the information. There's a whole lot of information that wasn't included in that book. Now you can just say it. It'll, it'll pop it up in front of you. We are living in an age where knowledge has rapidly increased. Matter of fact, 
theoretical physics have a hard time even fathoming what's going to happen in the next 50 years because it has grown so much. They are saying that technology has advanced so rapidly now they can see in the next 50 years that there will be what is equivalent to 3D printing of your own human organs. Nanobots. Oh, I can keep going and going and going. Knowledge is rapidly increasing. As a matter of fact, that was predicted in Daniel 12, 4. You know what else would I believe was predicted in the Bible? Cars, automobiles. I can tell some of y'all need to really get in that book. Nahum 2 and 4 says it like this in the, in the, King, in the New King James. It says, the chariots rage in the streets. They jostle one another in the broad roads. They seem like torches. They run like lightning. Eighteen hundred years, or excuse me, twenty six hundred years thereabouts before the first automobile was ever put into existence. You say, "Well, that's a stretch." That's okay. You can stretch too. The Bible also predicted prophetically airplanes, and more specifically. Military airplanes. Tell me another book that does that. Isaiah chapter 35, or excuse me, after Isaiah chapter 31, and verse number 5 says in the New King James, flying about like birds flying about, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending, he will also deliver it. Passing over, he will preserve it. You know what, one of the first... Generals uh, of the Arab armies that came against Israel in 1948 said they had Israel surrounded. The Arab nations were going to wipe Israel off the map. And, the, and they recorded his, in history. See, those people, a lot of them had never even seen uh, an airplane before. They said when we went to attack the city, it looked like birds protecting the city of Jerusalem. It was like birds that were gliding around to protect the city. Amen. That's what that prophet saw. I believe with all my heart. He couldn't explain. He said, it looks like birds. God will protect. And they wrote and said, we couldn't attack Israel because of the birds that were protecting the nation of Israel. You see, God knows what he is doing. And God is absolutely in control of everything. You ought not be embarrassed to be a Bible-toting believer. Amen. It's the most accurate book that's ever been written because it's been written by God. Amen. And so what does this mean? What does this mean for me? And I, I'm, I'm going to conclude with this. What does this mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means Jesus Christ is coming back. It means Jesus Christ is coming back. In Matthew chapter 24, and I don't have time to read it all, and I'm not going to read it all. If I, if I did have time, I think you could handle it, I would, but I won't because I know some of you, I'm all that's between you and a good meal, and I don't want to be in that position. But in Matthew 24 and 3, the disciples came to Jesus, and they said, Jesus, uh, as he sat up on the Mount of Olives, and his disciples came to him privately saying, they didn't want to do it publicly. They didn't want to look. They didn't know anything. So he came to them privately saying, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. 
and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye not be troubled. For all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Drop down to verse 11. And Jesus says, many false prophets shall, shall rise and shall deceive many. And because, of, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax. Boy, this sounds like a lot of these megachurches everywhere. Because if you start preaching things right out of the word, all of a sudden it's going to dwindle. And this is what Paul said. He said in the last days they would have itching ears, heaping unto themselves teachers of false doctrine that would be preached to them. Amen. You may not always like it, but you always should be thankful. Thank you for truth, Lord. Thank you for telling me the truth. Amen. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then the end shall come. Listen to me, First Church. I know on Sunday of sacrifice, it really is just that. It's a Sunday of sacrifice. Amen. One of the reasons we have a heartbeat for missions, we have compassion for the the poor. We want to help those that are suffering. But more than that, Jesus commanded in Matthew chapter 24 that this gospel should be preached to all nations. Amen. I believe we are doing our part by expediting the coming of the Lord, by preaching the gospels to all nations around the world. Everybody needs to hear this gospel. Everybody needs to hear that Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. He said, then the end shall come. Amen. And, and, and I'm, there's a whole lot more in here, but I'm afraid you might fall on the floor and start crying if I started reading it. Amen. But jump down to verse 42 and he says, watch ye therefore, ye know not the, what hour your Lord doth come. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not at what hour that the Lord doth come. In other words, what Jesus was saying is, you better have your garments pressed. You better have them clean. Hallelujah. He's coming back for a bride that is chasing herself. He's coming back for a church that is looking for his glorious appearing. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. Amen. We are a rapture preaching church. We are a second coming believing church. Jesus is coming back to this earth. Amen. Amen. I, I, I really feel the presence of the Lord here. Next Sunday, I may preach seven ways how to shout out of your mess. Amen. But right now, I'm preaching you one way how to escape it all. And that's through the rapture of the church. I know we want to hear messages of joy and love. And that's great. And we'll do that. But right now, there's a message we all need to hear. We better be ready. Jesus is coming back in an hour that we think not. Amen. Amen. 
seldom has there ever been a church, an age, a year, a time within the church age that the church has been so unaware of the coming of the Lord. Three quarters of our songbooks used to sing about heaven and the coming of the Lord and yet it's hardly ever even uttered in churches across the world today. I'm telling you that God is trying to shake his church and he is trying to, I'm preaching to you a man like Jesus preached to the ten virgins. You better get your lamps filled with oil. You better trim your lamps and you better keep them burning bright for in the midnight hour the bridegroom is going to come and he's not going to wait on me to get right and he's not going to wait on me to pray through but in the moment in the twinkling of an eye he's going to come back to this earth. He's going to take his breath. You better be ready. You better be ready. Oh, somebody shout amen. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. You better keep your lamps trimmed and burning. You better keep them burning without a shadow of a doubt that Christ is your Savior. You better not miss this for the world. Amen. You better not get caught sleeping. You better not get caught with an empty vessel. You need to stay full of faith. You need to stay full of the I'm preaching to the church here. Amen. If you've not been born again of the water and the Spirit, listen to me as I preach to you a red-faced, old-fashioned, spitfire message. If you've not been born again, you better get born again of the water the spirit. You won't escape this world without being born again of the water and of the spirit. It's the only thing that's going to save your soul. The Republicans won't save you. The Democrats won't save you. America won't save God will save us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's coming back and I plan to go with him. Musicians as you come. I read some time ago about an account of a doctor in England, a doctor in England who had a, a, a living butler or servant in his home there in England, and he wanted to get the attention of his uh, agnostic servant in the house, and so he went to his servant one night, and the doctor set him down, and he explained to him, hey man, what's going to happen in the rapture? And he said to his servant, he said, listen, Jesus said in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel. They began to read to him that scripture in 1 Thessalonians 4 about how the dead in Christ will rise first and we that are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him in the air. He said the servant looked at him and, and uh, was somewhat fascinated with his story, but yet had a bit of unbelief. And so the doctor looked at him and he said to him, he said, John, when the Lord comes... I want you to know you can have my home. The young man was surprised and suddenly he got excited and joy filled his heart. And the doctor added, he said, as a matter of fact, as he reached across the table and he grabbed John by the arm, he said, as a matter of fact, John, you can have my brand new Mercedes that's in the garage. John was taken back with such a great act of kindness. He actually began to get emotional and the doctor looked at him and said, I'll take it even further, John. When the Lord comes back and takes me out of here, he says, up under my desk, there'll be a secret compartment with the passcodes and everything to my bank account. You can have all the money. You can have all my possessions. You can have my house and you can have my car. 
And John could hardly grasp this as he jumped up and threw his arms around the neck of that doctor and said, thank you so very much, as he, almost dancing, went back to his quarters that night to go to bed. But later there in the night alone in the bed, John began to think to himself aloud, wait a minute, if the doctor and all the good people that have been born again go to heaven and I will be left out, then what good is this house and that car and all that money going to do me? He laid there pondering the alternatives of not making heaven and what it would mean to be stuck on this earth with all the riches in the world, amen, and to know that you had missed the grandeur of heaven. And the story says, the doctor says, he got up and he heard the pattering of feet coming down the hall. Late in the midnight hour, there came a rapid knocking on the door and the doctor set up with a smile because he knew what was about to happen. He opened the door and John with wide eyes, sweat and tears, he looked at the doctor and he said, he said, what good is all of this going to do me if I miss out on going where you're going to go? You see, John was not wanting to miss out on the second coming of the Lord. And around the midnight light, around the table, John was taught about how to repent and be born again of the one. Listen, you can have all the money in the world. You can have the biggest home and the nicest car. You can have the most instant ground followers, Facebook friends and Twitter followers. You can have the best clothes and purses and shoes and houses, but if you don't got Jesus, honey, you really ain't got nothing. For what profit in a man to gain the whole world but lose his own soul? Would you stand with me today? You see, some things float, some things don't. Let me explain. Things that didn't float in Noah's time are not going to float in this time. Jesus said, as it was in the day of Noah, so shall it be with the coming of the Son of Man. For they were eating and drinking and being merry, given into marriage, just having a good time. The only hope you had of being saved from the flood was getting on the ark. And the only hope of being saved from a world without Christ is you got to get on the ship. Listen, what wouldn't make it then won't make it now. The only deliverance then is the only deliverance now. Listen to the preaching of this Noah here today. You've got to get on the boat while the getting's good because when the door shuts, when the trumpet sounds, there will be no beating on the hall that will allow somebody to get in. You will either be on it or you will be off it. There is no in-between. That's why the Bible says you better make your calling and your election sure. You better make sure that you're right with God. You better make sure your heart is right with God. If that trumpet
trumpet were to sound now, would you make it? If that trumpet were to sound now, would you spend eternity with him? That's what this is all about. As much as I love this building, it ain't about this building. As much as I love you, it ain't even about you. It's about him. It's about me being right with him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Noah was an Old Testament typology of Christ. You couldn't be saved unless you obeyed Noah then. And you can't be saved now unless we obey Christ now. Get aboard. Get aboard. Clouds are gathering. It's going to rain, children. It's going to rain. I can smell the salt in the air. I can taste the rain as it's about to fall. And that door is getting ready to shut. Listen to me. Listen to me. You may think you got enough time. But no man knows the day nor the hour. Only the season. Listen, folks. We are in the season right now. We are in the season, right? Prophetically, we are in the season right now. We don't know the day. We don't know the hour, but we know we are in that season right now. Are you looking? Are you waiting? Are you watching for that glorious appearing of Jesus Christ? I want you to close your eyes for a moment right where you are. Close them. Close them for a moment. Just for a moment. I want you to imagine a clock right now. The hour hand is on 12. The minute hand is just about at 12. And the ticking of the second hand is just moments from striking midnight. The dispensation of grace is almost over. The church age is about to The church age is about to end. The clock is going to strike midnight. The trumpet is about to blast. Church to he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Can you hear the tick? Tick. Tick. There's only just a few more left. There's only a few more ticks left before the trumpet sounds. Come on, right where you are right now. I want you to reach out to heaven. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Yes, 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 yes. yes. When Jesus comes, it'll be the beginning of sorrows for this earth. But when Jesus comes, it'll be the beginning of jubilee for the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the kind of a service and the kind of a day where you don't let your pride take you. You don't let your ideas or vanity overtake you. But I wonder if there's anybody in this house that would say, I want to go to that altar and I want to make sure my calling and election is I want to make sure that I'm on the ark when the door closes. I want to make sure my family's on the ark. Lord, I want to do my part to be a Noah in this generation. I want to do my part. Come on, it's ticking down. It's ticking.
eternity is real. Heaven is real. The marriage supper is real. Don't be left behind. Don't be left behind. Come on, that's it. You got lost loved ones, you ought to pray for them. You got lost family members, you need to pray for them. You got lost co-workers, you need to pray for them right now. He's moving. He's moving in this place. Oh, whatever you got to do, I just want to be saved. I want to be right. God, I'm not praying make me comfortable. I'm praying make me right. I'm not praying make me satisfied. Lord, make me saved. Go ahead. Go ahead and reach out to the Lord. Go ahead and pray out. Reach out, cry out to the Lord. In thy holy name. Hallelujah. 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 Get your lap full of oil. Get your lap trimmed and ready. In the name of Jesus. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.